a podcast. Did your radio show get canceled? Fire, fire, fire. Low down and filthy, but the discipline is on point. Schooled myself, made my own dojo. A cold flow with the whole dose of soul. Maintain composure, even in theory. An anomaly, properties undiscernible to mere peasants. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, the age-old question, our long-term is looking good, our short-term because of job worries, maybe not so much. So should we focus on getting out of every ounce of debt or continue to build our healthy portfolio? The person we're talking about this week is a 45-year-old woman from the Northeast, I believe. Her name is Vanessa, and she joins us now. Vanessa, hello. Hi, Pete. Did I lie about anything yet? Not yet. What is your favorite? We're recording this show, uh, first show past Thanksgiving. Uh, What was your favorite bite of food that you had during the holiday weekend? Yes. But did you have a favorite bite of food? All of them? No, all food. All food. All of it. I love this. And I ate a lot of it, and it was awesome. Well, this is a good relationship. So you have got a two-income household uh, from the way I see this. Your household income is $230,000 a year. Uh, You're 45. How old is your husband, Vanessa? He's 45, too. Both 45. Uh, Set aside for retirement, $1.4 million American dollars which it seems as though that would be a sustained effort of putting money into your retirement plan at work. Is that true? Yes, absolutely. You've got no debt other than you only owe $45,000 on your mortgage, which is slated to be paid off in five years. And one of the major questions we're going to deal with today is, should you uh, move that time frame up? Should you try to get out of debt or should you continue to put money away in a non-tax uh, sensitive brokerage account. So give me a little more understanding what's going on. You're, you're worried about one of your jobs not being there soon? Um, well, I, I feel like there's a constant worry that maybe one of our jobs or both of our jobs won't be there. Actually, my job is pretty secure, knock on wood. Um, but my husband, um, his his company is going through a, a bit of a, not really turmoil, but just some changes right now. So it's not 100% sure that he'll keep his job, and we pretty much bring in equal amounts. Um, so we would be losing half of our income if he lost his job. Um, I don't think that he would have that much trouble finding another job, but I, we just don't know sure. if it would be an issue or not. So we're trying to figure out if do we have enough put away for retirement to kind of just let that grow on its own or maybe not focus as much on retirement to look at more, you know, getting us in a position where if we did, one of us did lose our jobs, that we would be able to be, that we would be okay. I guess. All right. Well, let's dig through this now. Um, how much do you have in just boring savings, just a regular boring short-term savings account? Uh, about 10000 Okay. Um, did you have access to any other non-retirement money on top of that 10000 yeah, so we have an emergency fund of about fifteen thousand. Okay, so twenty five um, grand all told. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, but we do have some brokerage accounts. I'm sorry, we have some uh, taxable brokerage accounts where, you know, our hope is to keep that money in there um, a little bit longer to not use it immediately. But we have about thirty three thousand. Okay, cool. Those brokerage accounts. So, so plenty of oh no money. 
and uh, you have access to, right? You have plenty of plenty of that. Um, how many kids do you have? We have two kids. And what is the oldest and what is the youngest ages? Ten and seven. Ten and seven. That sounds like my household. Um, okay, ten and seven. So tell me about you know, thoughts or plans for funding college. Is that a priority for you all? It's not a priority. Uh, we opened the taxable brokerage account sure. uh, to give us that option if we wanted to, but we weren't 100% convinced about 529 mm-hmm. um, just in case they decided they didn't want to go to college. Sure. Um, and if we decided once they graduated high school we wanted to leave and buy an island somewhere, we would consider <laughs> that instead. Nice. Um, but so we don't have 529. I'm not 100% convinced that we should be paying for all of their college anyway. I feel like they should maybe have some skin in the game. And I think, you know, based on what our long-term plans are, we would probably cash flow some of their college to help them out. Okay. Yeah, there's a couple of note on that. I don't, want, I don't want this to be the focus of the conversation unless you want it to be the focus of the conversation. I don't, I don't think you do. But a point of interest here uh, that, that I want everyone to listen to. When people say, I want my kids to have skin in the game and for them to take on some of the cost of it, whether whether the kids have assets from working or inheritances or whatever, or if the kid has to take on debt in that situation, what I think is really, really, really important is that if you're going to take that approach, which is perfectly fine, I have no problem with it whatsoever, um, you need to make sure that you as the parents don't end up compromising yourself by then encouraging the kids to go to a school that would max out their student loans, which would then eventually come back on you. Because if they max out their student loans, they're a junior in college. The only way they go back and finish their degree is if you step in and take on parent plus loans or private loans. Um, That's a big problem. So the skin in the game is cool as long as the skin in the game is not going to Yale. Like, or or, or that's a bad example because of the endowment. But it could go to, you know, high price private education because then you go back on the hook. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay. like I, I said, um, and I, I think that college is probably a good place for them to learn, to live within their means as well. I don't disagree with that. I would say at 45 to have uh, at least a $1.4 million net worth. In fact, probably a lot more than that. What is your, what is your home worth? You owe $45,000. What's it worth? It's about 400,000. Yes. I mean, you're, 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 net worth's approaching pretty quickly $2 million. Would you say your number one financial priority other than stability is uh, a peaceful retirement the way you and your husband want it to be? Yeah, I think so. Do you have, a, yes do you have an age in mind in retirement? Because, I mean, you, you seem pretty tax-sensitive uh, heavy, I meaning you've got most of your assets are in qualified vehicles. Um, I think we're looking at mid-50s to retire. So, okay. And, and, and by the way, there are lots of ways for those listening uh, for a person who has many of their assets tied up in qualified assets, meaning you can't touch the money in most cases till you're 59 and a half. There are ways to then access the money prior to 59 and a half. Or what you could do is to build a portfolio that is non-qualified, uh, and use that money for essentially, let's say you retired at 55, the four and a half years until you reach 59 and a half. Vanessa, do you happen to know which strategy you're going toward? 
I think we're leaning towards me retiring at 57, which is my minimum retirement age um, for my government job. And then at that point, I can collect a pension. And living off of that pension and some of our savings. I love it that sometimes I forget to ask if a person has a pension. <laughs> I love it. What, what, a, what an elementary question for me to forget. Anyway, so you have a pension, which is fantastic. Do you feel like that pension could reasonably support you with just a bit of supplemental income from 57 to 59 and a half? I think so, because we won't have a mortgage at that point. Um, I think at that point, the kids should be close to being done with school. And if we had to, if I had to work longer, I enjoy my job quite a bit, so I could work longer. Um, if necessary. So what would happen right now if your household income got cut in half? Like things are going well, you're putting a ton of money away, a ton of money away, projected to have millions and millions of dollars at retirement. What would happen in your day to day if uh, your household income got cut in half? Well, I tend to live a little more frugally. So I think I would be okay personally. Um, my kids <laughs> and my husband sure. uh, might have a more difficult time of it, but I, I think that we, I think that we would, we wouldn't obviously be able to save as much as we have been saving. Um, but I think that we would be fine and we wouldn't necessarily put ourselves into debt trying to support ourselves. Okay. So but that's assuming my husband's the one who loses his job. Uh, why do you say, oh, because of the pension and all that good stuff? Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Let's look at it this way. Do you feel like you have long-term stability? Yes, but I hate to feel too confident about that because I I don't want to jinx us, I guess. You know, that's not a thing. <laughs> I mean, just, it just, is. No, it's not. You don't know my mom. It well, that's true. There's some unlucky people. I had a roommate in college or a friend in college. He's the unluckiest person I've ever met in my life. Literally everything goes wrong for the poor guy. So I guess luck and, and jinxing is the thing. But in terms of your preparation, what you've deposited away and set aside for retirement, and if it continues to grow at a moderate pace, I mean, your long-term security, with a few assumptions, it's in the back, right? You're, you're good to go. And if, if I need to knock on things to, to help with the jinxing, Wait, yes. there you go. Okay, yeah, yes. there you knock two. Double Yes, I'd knock too. So the double knock, I'm sure. What if the what if your knock negated my knock though? Okay, sorry. Um, okay, short term stability. I know. Short term stability. This is what it's like to be around me. It's not fun. Short term stability. You've got you. You're fine. I, I would argue six months to a year, right? Mm-hmm. So it's that midterm. Yes, I think so. It's Definitely. the midterm. It's, it's the midterm middle. that's scary. Oh. It's a 12-year period. All the time. I know. But you know what? Period of time. Here's what's happening. You, based on your kids' ages, who are my kids' ages, um, you are entering that period of your life that is the hardest time of your life, which is typically 47 to 53. Uh, if, you're ki- if you have your kids in your 20s, um, you didn't. You had your kids in your 30s like we did. Uh, so that means that... Um, that time's going to be pushed back a little bit. Those early 50s are going to be the most challenging time. The kids are going to be in college. You're being the, the, the last few years of your career. Um, health uh, will change a little bit. Who knows your parents' health situation? Well, can the kids get out on their own and be financially responsible? That is the trying time. So I would argue whatever decision we make with whether to pay off your mortgage quickly or to put more money in non-qualified vehicles, it has to make 
10 years from now easier. That's what it has to mm-hmm. do. Because everything else is sort of in the bag. Would you disagree or agree with that? I agree with you. Before we get to that, what, what else could go wrong? Is there something else I'm not... I mean, could you have to financially support uh, an adult family member other than your children? Um, possibly my parents, but I, I mean, I have siblings, so sure. I think we... And we all, knock on wood again, um, I think we all would pitch in for that. And, and my parents live very frugally, so I don't, you know, they're, they're very much aware of, you know, how much they have and how much is going to last them. So I don't, I'd like to plan on helping them if need be, but I don't think that they're planning on that. So I think they're living their lives thinking that, you know, they'll be able to pay what they need to pay. Now, I just wonder, I'm wondering uh, aloud here, you, of course, uh, have a pretty steady income because of uh, your federal job, your government job, but your husband, does it fluctuate or does it have larger jumps in income uh, despite the fact that you're sort of worried about the overall stability of the job? Uh, no, he's salaried, so it's pretty consistent. Okay, so no major variable components to it? No, not really. Hmm. I mean, this uh, on paper and what and from what you told me, this seems like <laughs> this is. I'm about to say the dumbest thing I've said on the show, which is really saying something. Um, everything will go fine unless something goes wrong. Like everything's gonna be fine unless something goes wrong. Because on paper, if this just plays out, you're fine. You're fine at 57. You're fine at 65. You're fine at 85. It doesn't matter. We just have to make it to 57. So how can we? protect against those bumps that you don't even know are coming between now and mm-hmm. 57. That is our job. Mm-hmm. Hmm. How much money? Okay. So you're trying to decide between to pay off the 45,000 relatively quickly or mm-hmm. to load up your non-qualified brokerage account quickly. Right. And maybe not even quickly. Well, I guess quickly in terms of, you know, moving it from five years to less than five years. But just, you know, we have that extra money. Does it have to be a one or the other? Um, no, I mean, it, it together? doesn't. Because, well, here's, the, here's, you should never try to time the market. And I, I guess I need to probably say that more on this show, despite the fact that what I'm about to say. I mean, it feels like right now we're in the midst of a bear market. It feels like we're just in a, a declining market over time. And so that is to say that you probably can't beat, um, normal rates of return like we, 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 we what we have been doing over the next two or three years so to put money into a non-taxable or pardon me a, a taxable brokerage account or non-taxable for that matter um, it could decline over the next couple of years although technically you're then buying cheaper as it goes down so over time it'll grow up so that's a that's a that's right. a tough element here too I don't know as long as you're doing either or or both I as long as you're not consuming the money, I think it's fine. I don't know if it really matters. You okay. know, it's a, it's a, it's a luxury to have. So in five years without paying extra or paying what you're paying now, you'll be done in five years. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you think if you increase it a little bit, you'll be able to pay off how soon? Well, I guess it depends on how much we increase it. Um, obviously. Um, so, you know, any gifts that we would get, 
Christmas money gifts or things like that, should we look at putting that into paying off the mortgage or should we take that money and put it into the brokerage account? And I, I get what you're saying about how you know the money could go down, but uh, you know we're we're kind of of the buy and hold mentality. Sure, that's fine. So we have our emergency fund and some um, savings in you know, just money market accounts and um, high yield interest rates accounts, interest rate accounts. Um, so this would, this is like money above and beyond that, that we're putting into the tax taxable brokerage account. So we're really not expecting to spend this money for at least five to seven to 10, maybe even 15 years. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I get you there. So because then that would get into college, right? And right. You know, even if you pay off your mortgage within five years, you're 50, the kids still aren't in college, and then you can really get a better understanding of what their likelihood of going to college is. I mean, it's easier to make decisions when your son is 15 about his future than when he's 10, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I but think, are we missing yeah. out on, if we, if we don't get into the taxable brokerage and we wait until he's 15, then that only really gives us, you know, three years to save for college, although not for nothing, but it's not as though <laughs> we're saving for college that much now. You know, the whole thing about not necessarily paying for all of their college. Yeah. My in-laws have started 529s for the kids, so, Just so you they know, do have some yeah. money that way. They're going to get no need-based aid. You realize that, right? Yes. I just want to remove all hope that you have about that. If you happen to have any of the hope, I don't want you to have the hope no, about that. We have no hope. Good. That That's a good all. strategy. Um, okay. So here's what I think I would do. If it were me, and this is always a dangerous one, but if it were me, because our situations aren't horribly different. I mean, there's a couple numbers here and there, but they're not horribly different. Um, I would probably focus on the uh, taxable brokerage account, let the mortgage pay, uh, pay off within the next five years naturally. And then at the end of this five-year period in which you've been building assets, I would reevaluate um, what needs to happen in the next three years um, with the sixteen hundred dollars a month you'd free up? So, yeah, I don't think I'd be in. A, I don't think I'd be in a hurry to be out of debt any sooner than five years. I just don't see the point. And if it turns out for some reason that my husband does lose his job and we did want to be debt free, would we? Would you recommend taking money out of the broke account and paying that off, or well, if it if, if you had to, but see, I would say if your husband loses his job and you can afford to live on half without paying off your mortgage, I wouldn't blow through an asset to pay off a debt because your net worth doesn't go up, right? Right. And then I would also say, let's right. say he goes through six months of unemployment. Don't panic and 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 uh, ignore that. That's why your emergency fund is there because I've seen it. People panic and then make permanent moves to temporary problems, uh, and 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 you know, take that money and pay off the mortgage. And then the person gets a job, and it's like, well, we didn't really have to do that. I'm glad it's gone. We didn't have to do that. So, um, yeah, I would just build up that taxable brokerage account, which acts as like a second or third layer of an emergency fund. And let the mortgage pay off naturally. That, that's what I would do. Okay. My favorite part is then people email me like, well, you're wrong. And I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. Get a podcast and uh, cover it from your angle. Right? So that's always my snarky answer, which is just kind of rude, actually. 
you can't really go wrong either way. Right? You can't, and that's the point. I mean, I could just as easy, depending on what kind of mood I was in, argue the other angle, and it wouldn't have mattered. But I'm just telling you, like nine times out of ten, if it were me, I would do what I just said. I would, I would build up the taxable account as opposed to pay off the mortgage. I'm not a hurry up and get out of your mortgage sort of guy. I'd like it to be gone in 15 years from its origination, but I'm not like, I'm not telling people to eat ramen so they can pay off their mortgage in six years. I just don't see the benefit of that. But it's one way to look at it. So anyway, any other questions I can answer? You've done a great job, by the way. You get several stars. I'm assigning you stars. They're stickers. They're adhesive. You can put them on your shirt, Christmas sweater, whatever. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, anything else? Um, I don't think so. I think that pretty much covered it all. All right. Well, uh, kudos to you. Thank Good you. luck. And if you please send us updates, we, we like the updates. Absolutely. Thank you, Pete. I appreciate it. Of course. Well, that's all we have time for this week on the Pete the Planner show. If you want to be on my show, go to the PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. We'll talk through your situation. Maybe I'll agree with you. Maybe I'll disagree with you. Maybe you've got this idea and you're like, oh, here's what we'll do. And then I'll just shoot holes in it. Not because I'm a tough guy, but because it's a dumb idea. Let me tell you what's dumb. That's right. Go to PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. We can do that. Vanessa's not dumb, though. Neither is her husband. 10 and 7 years old with kids. Things are good. Things are going to be harder when she's 55. But as of now, at 45, things are good because she did the hard thing. So that's it. Uh, Show's over now. I don't have an interesting way to end it. So, Nicole, if you would just press the stop button right now. This is for information purposes only. Not the specific financial planning device. Consult a financial divisor. All right, you follow the podcast. How do I know this? Because you're listening right now. You might have even read one of our blogs or one of our books. But there's a whole other side of this Pete the Planner empire that you know nothing about until today. It's called your money line. It is the complete financial solution for employers. There's this whole world and it's called financial wellness. Sounds like nothing, but it's something. It's a benefit that comes to you via your employer. It helps you manage your financial life to get answers to your financial questions. Well, your money line, the company of which I'm this chief executive officer, one of the leading companies in this world that deals with financial wellness. If you are an HR person or a, in the position of leadership within your organization, go to yourmoneyline.com and schedule a demo today. If you are a wholesome, wonderful employee, reach out to your HR person and send them to yourmoneyline.com. It's time to get Pete in your workplace. Salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it?